Lord, we thank you for the gift of your word. And as we think on your truth today, uh, please open our hearts and our minds to hear you. We ask this in your name. Amen. My dad, who was a minister for most of many of his uh, adult years, um, used to tell this story. And uh, I, I tried this on the men at six um, a couple of weeks ago, and they'd never heard it. So I'm going to have another crack, see how it goes. There was a young Christian man, and he'd, uh, he'd uh, newly been converted, and he decided that he wanted to start studying the Bible. And uh, so he thought, well, I'll start with the Gospels, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And he said, uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to drop it open, and I'll stab a pin and see what I get. And so he, he did that, and he stabbed Matthew 20, uh, 27, verse 5, and it said Judas went out and hanged himself. And he th- so you haven't heard this. Oh. And he said, so well, that's not that helpful. How about I have another crack? So he got to Luke and he stabbed chapter 10, verse 37, and it said, go and do the same. Um, it's important for us when we read the Bible to actually get the context of what we're on about. And uh, while those verses are important, out of context, um, they do have some problems. Although, I've got to say with Proverbs... Opening Proverbs and stabbing it with a pin is probably not a bad thing to do because every verse in Proverbs that I have read over the last few months is a sermon in itself. And uh, possibly the last three three or four verses of this chapter is more to do with primary produce perhaps, but um, definitely all the other ones have got a sermon in them and some work for us. So let's let's get to this. And thank you for reading the Bible, Gabrielle, this morning and uh, drawing us to God's word. I'm going to concentrate on on two verses only. Obviously, the verse of the day, which is 17, I'm going to finish with that. But I want to concentrate on verse 1 at this moment. And the verse says this, Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring. And um, we all know that that people boast and brag about all sorts of things, and some are quite silly. Uh, When I was a little kid, my friends and I would get into an argument about who could beat who up. So it went like this. I could beat you up, um, and I probably could at that time, and and, uh, then it would escalate to, well, my sister could beat you up. And my sister was a tough bird. She was good. And that sort of got to them because I knew about her, and that stopped the argument in its tracks. And then the next level would be, well... If I had a sister, I could, she could probably beat your sister up. And then we would move on to, well, my dad could beat your dad, and then so on and so forth. We never really got to the fight club abilities of our grandparents. Uh, but, however, um, boasting is foolish, and I remember that. And bragging does not really intend to impress others. <clears throat> uh, Psalm 20, verse 7 says that, that some boast in their military might. Uh, in Psalm 49, verse 6, it says some in how much money they've got, in the abundance of their riches. Psalm 52, verse 1, says that some boast in evil. And uh, the uh, Old Testament story of David uh, against Goliath, he wasn't just a big man, but he was a big boaster as well. And in, in essence, he said to David, I'm going to crush you. And we know from the story it didn't quite happen that way. And that brings us back to this verse again. It is a gentle reminder to be humble. And although it applies to every single day in our lives, it has a special application to the times that we are living in now. And it's a short little verse, but has some fat truth in it. Do not boast, you don't know. I'm going to read you two little contemporary versions of uh, Proverbs 21, 27 verse 1. Don't brag about tomorrow, because each day will bring its own surprise. Or, never boast about tomorrow, 
you don't know what will happen between now and then. And what is Solomon's point? Well, obviously, he's saying we don't know the future. Only God knows the future, and the future is subject to him and not to our will. If we were writing a short book on the sovereignty of God, we'd probably start with Proverbs 16. And uh, verses one. We missed out on, on chapter 16 from the pulpit because we sort of jumped around a bit from 13 to 17. And I'd like you to go back after, after you finish today and read Proverbs 16 because there's some real good things in there. And the, ver the first three verses say this. To humans belong the plans of the heart, but from the Lord comes the proper answer of the tongue. All a person's ways may seem pure to them, but motives are weighed by the Lord. Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. Chapter 2 in the book would be perhaps 27 verse 1. Its theme is a call to humility with a somewhat soft reminder that we can't see into the future. And I've got two favourite books in the New Testament, and I'm sure you all have your own as well. One of those is Timothy, the letters to Timothy. The other one is James. And this is what James says. And I call him the, the apostle of plain speaking because he, he tells us about this proverb and he's not particularly gentle. And in James 4, in the 13 to 17, he said, Now listen, you who say, Today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city. We'll spend a year there. We'll carry on business. And we'll make some money. Why do you not even know what will happen tomorrow? What is your life? You are like a mist that appears for a while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it's the Lord's will, we will live our life and do this and that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes, and all such boasting is evil. If then anyone who knows good that they ought to do and doesn't do it, do it, it is a sin. And James is telling us bluntly here that anything other than the Lord willing is arrogance and all such boasting is evil. And it's interesting to note that in verses 1 and 2 of chapter 27, we talk, it talks about boasting and praise. And the root verb, or the root, yeah, the root verb that comes out of the Hebrew is the same word. It says that boasting is self-praise, it's blowing our own horn, and in the context of 27.1, it's bragging about what we'll do. But in, chat, in verse 2, it says, let another praise you and not your own mouth, a stranger, and not your own lips. It's the same word. It's just applied in a different way. It's a very humbling experience, and I've experienced this, to go through a time in our life when, we all, when all that we count on that is solid and meaty gets blown apart and we feel totally out of control. Who knew for a few years ago that just everything we planned in our calendars, both here in the church and at home, would get postponed indefinitely, changed irrevocably, or even deleted? And these past couple of years and the unsettling days of COVID are one big vivid example of Proverbs 27 verse 1. And it's a bit of a punch to the face, isn't it? It admonishes us that we really do not know what tomorrow will bring us. Well, it doesn't mean we don't make plans or preparations or set goals for us. And, and many of Solomon's Proverbs throughout this book tell us that it's wise to prepare and to be prepared. But in doing so, he tells us to commit our plans and our preparations to our Creator, to roll them all to Him and leave them with Him. 
You know, when we were young, we needed to hold hands with someone who made us safer as we crossed the road. And if you've got young children, you know that. If you've got grandchildren, you know that. You get to the road, you hold a hand out, it's automatic. However, as we grow in our Christian life, we sometimes forget to reach out and to hold hands with Jesus. The most important hand we'll ever hold is the hand of Jesus. And if you've never done so, people, I would encourage you today to reach out and put your hand in his. He is the source of our peace of mind because he gives us peace with God by forgiveness of our sins. You know, Jesus talked about our unknown tomorrows. He says not to worry. And in Matthew 6, from verse 25, he says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than them? Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Don't worry about tomorrow. Don't boast about tomorrow either. Seek first God's kingdom and God's righteousness. Not what's for dinner or what's in your closet to wear or how much TP is in the cupboard. I read again the last verse that I wanted to, to talk to you about here was verse 34 of Matthew 6. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Today has each enough trouble of its own. It's good for us to read God's word and it's the fount of spiritual wisdom and spiritual wisdom brings us balance. And if our balance pendulum swings too far one way, well, we become arrogant in our faith. We may boast about our tomorrows. We may boast about our faith. If our balance pendulum swings too far the other way, then we become anxious and we worry about tomorrow. But we do tend to worry about tomorrow. I know I do. Uh, and I need to listen to myself when I say this. We do not need to fear. We don't need to boast about it either. The scriptures tell us over and over just who is in control of today, tomorrow, and the future. God is sovereign, and we need to acknowledge that. And although bad and tragic things happen in this world each day, God is good and God is wise. Interestingly, though, we are given permission to boast about some things. And the prophet Jeremiah told us in, nine, in chapter 9, 20, verses 23 and 24, the Lord said, Let not the wise boast of their wisdom, or the strong boast of their strength, or the rich boast of their riches. Let the one who boasts about things, that they have the understanding to know me, that I am the Lord who exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth. For in these I delight, declares the Lord. I want to move on to our, our second verse, which is the verse of the day. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. You know, the concept of iron sharpening iron obviously implies that there are two pieces of something in action. It would be impossible for one tool to become sharper without the presence of the other. Left alone, both blades would be dull and quite useless. And this simple proverb illustrates an important biblical principle. God expects us to live and serve in a community of other believers. And he desires for us to build loving and growing relationships. The process of helping someone else improve their effectiveness absolutely requires a positive and long-term relationship. Earlier in this chapter, verse, says, verse 6, it says, Wounds from a friend can be trusted, 
but an enemy multiplies kisses. And we know this concept to be true. It is much better for us to accept godly advice or constructive criticism from someone we know, someone we know and care rather than from a stranger or a simple acquaintance. We want to know that the person giving us the counsel has our best interests at heart. Friends may indeed wound us and uh, we can understand and must understand and appreciate their genuine motives. Conversely, the kisses from enemies will fall flat and we can imagine their de devious hypocrisy in that. I'd really like to finish today, this, this speech today, about some principles that reveal themselves out of verse 1. And, and in this chapter, really, we know that iron sharpens iron. And the first one I want to talk to you about is the principle of accountability. And at, at minute six, we've been going through that. The last five weeks, we looked at the power of prayer, the power of scripture, the power of accountability, the power of relationship, which is the power of brotherhood, and the power of service. And iron sharpening iron requires a level of accountability and a personal inclination to allow those around us who are significant to us to look close enough into our lives so that they can see those specific weaknesses and problem areas. You know, accountability is not like just asking another believer what Bible verse they read this morning. Well, that, that's great. Please do that. Um, it, that's too easy. It almost assumes that the recipient of that question would be dishonest in an attempt to take the pressure off that examination. Exchanges like this are seen as trite and superficial. Genuine accountability demands that the person receiving the counsel or advice is willing to follow that advice from the friend to look for the vulnerabilities in their lives, to accept what they point out, and then do something to fix it when they hear it. It's important that we apply the principle together with the ones I'm going to talk about, plus scripture, service, uh, prayer, all of those things. We need the close relationships of other people that we trust and respect. We must give them the consent to identify weak areas in our lives and then to address those areas with us. This is not just giving permi people permission to go around with a critical attitude that delights in pointing out what's wrong with us. The principle of accountability must mean that helpful and real conversations grow out of loving and constructive relationships. We did, a, I know when Tony was here um, uh, earlier in the year, we did a, uh, a Bible study down in minute six on the concept of taking offense and what it means when someone says to us something that we need to hear, but we take offense with that. And this is what verse 17 is talking about. The second principle is a principle of motivation. The proverb contains an object that's a sharpening action. One person must be used by God to help the other. The incentive here is to be mutually beneficial. Both pieces of iron must work together to accomplish the desired intent. That's the motivation, and both items need sharpening. This leads us to a very valuable component of growing close and personal relationships with other people. If you come here and you're peripheral, you'll go away sad. If you don't develop relationships with people who can challenge and, uh, and admonish us when we've stepped out of line, then we're never fulfilling what God wanted us to do. The sharpening of iron must come with a heartfelt desire to help the person and in the process receive an input that leads to your development as well as a Christian. The third principle is the principle of willingness. 
Both parties should want what is best for each other, but to build on that concept, there's that additional step. Whenever a good friend, whatever, whenever a good friend sincerely wants us to help us and help us to grow, it is obvious that they truly want what is best for us. That it is imperative for us to accept counsel or constructive criticism with an attitude of willingness and acceptance of what they are telling us. In all situations, we should we should go back to the Word of God. No matter how close a friend is they may not necessarily understand everything that we're going through at that time. So the word of God must be our basis. And the last one is that the Holy Spirit convicts and the word of God sharpens us. God can use the words of a friend to sharpen us, motivate us and provide accountability in our lives. However, true victory and lasting progress only comes from God himself. In Hebrews 4, verse 12, it says, The word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of our hearts. And the familiar verse in uh, 2 Timothy, one of my favourite, as I said, one of my favourite uh, books in the Bible, 1 and 2 Timothy, from uh, chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. I want you to note a couple of things here. The progression of steps in, this, in these two verses. Biblical principles are profitable for doctrine or the systematic teaching of God's word, but God's word is also beneficial for reproof, correction, and instruction in righteousness. You know, God will and can use the iron sharpening tool of process of good friends to help us in our walk with him. But you know what? Most certainly God will use the convicting power of the Holy Spirit and the word of God to rebuke us of sinful and harmful practices in our lives. We need to be open to that. God never just points out the weaknesses without providing a solution. God's word will help us correct the problem and provide us the instructions that we need to go on in living. Question for you, do you diligently listen to instruction to improve other li others' lives and act on it? Are you the sharpening influence to make them more like Jesus and more productive? Do you value and promote relationships with other godly people for your own perfection, even if their corrections at times might wound and sting? The iron sharpening process that Proverbs 27, 17 shows us is indeed a helpful and convicting part of a believer's life. We must highly value and build godly and, and growing relationships with other Christ followers who can show us how to walk closer with him. But these relationships and the resulting conversations and discussions must always drive us back to the word of God where our loving and gracious Heavenly Father gives us true life-changing instructions. Let's pray. Father, we want to uh, thank you for the gift of life. You've told us, Lord, that where two or three are gathered in your name, you are in the midst, and we thank you for being here with us today. Thank you for our church and the leaders you have given us. Thank you for allowing us to come to this place and listen to your word. Heavenly Father, let grace and peace be upon our lives, even when we depart from this place to our different places. 
Let everything we have learned today bear fruit in our lives so that your light can shine upon others, so that they may glorify you, the true and only living God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.